0: And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, it's been a while since we talked about our old mate Jason Furman.
1: Uh, Has he paid his bills? He has paid his bills. Oh, okay. So we should record him a new ad. Surely he has a website now? Uh, No, he does not. Oh. Uh, Maybe he's provided a direct phone number people can order through? Uh, I'll just check. Nope, no phone number either. I like the way that you're actually pretending to look whether he has provided... (laughs) (laughs) So, if you want to get in contact with Dation, you still have to do that through Facebook. It's uh, Einswick Dog Quip, E I N Z W E C K. Jason can hook you up with all the things you might be interested in getting. The fireport Mills, which a lot of people are getting and loving. Mm. He has Herm Springer products, if you're into those. Yep. He has balls, leashes, tugs. Yep. And at the moment, he has a 10%
0: discount on all Canine usa products. That's pretty cool. And I believe he's got a lot of the other stuff that you can use to compete in GRC as well, such as the sleds and the Mm. spring poles.
1: Yeah, that's correct. He yeah. sure does. Well, it's so great that's great. That's a into sport that.
0: taking the world by storm.
1: Yeah. So if you're into that, or you just like train your dog, having a good time, have a chat to Jason
0: on Facebook at Ironswick Dog Quip. Yep. Send him an inventory via Messenger and get your gear. <laughs> <laughs> get a website, Jason, you bozo. Yeah.
1: Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host,
0: Glenn Cook. Hi, everyone. It's just us. It is just us. And we're actually in the studio, like the proper studio. We are not we The lounge room. Disassembled everything and gone out into the lounge room. We're actually in our studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's
1: right. Because the other week when we had the girls on, we had to move it all
0: outside. Yeah. Because Mike Suttle was here and he was sleeping while mm-hmm. we were podcasting because it was late at night. Mm-hmm. mm Mm-hmm. That was a pretty cool episode. I enjoyed it. I think what we're going to talk about today will follow on a little bit from that, right? Mm. Hey, before we do that, I just want to give a special shout out to Mike because mm. we had him here for the the seminar that she ran on the weekend just past, uh, while the girls were in town and everything like that. Absolute consummate professional. Really, really appreciate that guy in every way. Like he's mm-hmm. probably, I mean, we've had some super people here over the years doing seminars, some that I've hosted and some that other people have hosted. And I've got to tell you, that man is just from the start to the finish, he is an absolute genuine human being. Mm-hmm. He gives 100%. Everyone that attended the seminar that I know of that spoke to me absolutely loved Being at the seminar and hanging out with Mike. And he basically was living on no sleep. Like the poor guy was so sleep deprived while he was here. There was a night where I took him up. We went up to the high country in Putty and hung out there for a day. He pretty much didn't sleep at all. Slept in the car on the way home and then crashed. This is the day before he's going home. But Mm -hmm. never whined about anything Never showed a spoiled attitude. Just goes to show what an absolute professional he is, and I really appreciated every moment I spent with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's felt- my new best friend.
1: Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, you are known to carry <laughs> his pocket around on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt almost. Well, I did feel bad for him at the end of the Sunday. I came out and was working some people's dogs after the seminar and Mm. he was sitting there watching and I could see he was half asleep as I carried a bite jacket over to him and was like, hey, Mike, do you You mind working my dog?
0: (laughs) But I appreciate it very much. And the fact is, is that he will always say yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he does everything in his power to keep the show going or just, like I said, to just be a, a genuine person. One thing I did laugh about on his comments too. There's a picture of him conditioning a little German Shepherd puppy, like he's got a litter of German Shepherd puppies he took across the country mm-hmm. doing a seminar over there. And typical to most people who comment without knowing what they're talking about, some guy got onto his forum and made a comment to say that Mike was teaching pups to be aggressive by chasing cat puppets. And it's a bit of cat Hessian. Puppets. Cat puppets. It's the funniest <laughs> shit ever. And it, it's a bit of Hessian on the end, like a flirt pole, basically. Yeah, 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 and the yeah. pup's chasing it around. And the guy goes, you know, it's disgusting to see that you're getting, you're teaching your dogs to be aggressive to cats by using cat puppets on a string. <laughs> and I, 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 I nearly died laughing. <laughs> I'm going to start calling my flirt pole a cat puppet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, I, I told Mike that he should be putting out a line of cat puppet flirt poles. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm bringing that. Into my vernacular, the fuck goes through people's minds. Mm, who
1: knows? Mm. That's going to dovetail into what we're talking about. Today. Yes, but since we are talking about seminars Ooh, and dovetail, having a wonderful, I like that. yeah, mm. since we are talking about seminars and having a wonderful time at them, yes, I want to give one last plug to our. Well, there's two coming up, two very important ones. Yeah, so, so let's plug them both while well. we've got the so opportunity. We have got Jerry Bradshaw, Sean Edwards, and Janet Edwards coming out to do a controlled aggression seminar. Most amazing people. It, three of honestly the highest caliber dog trainers and people that you'll ever meet some of the nicest people too and it's two days of grip and bite development so like i say i just need to say this to as many people in sydney that will listen we get messages at least once a week asking how do i get into bite work and how do i get into learning to decoy you go to that yeah that's it and if you have the capacity to go to that and you don't don't contact me later asking how yeah, do I get I into get these I get asked things. every second day. Yeah. Questions about PSA, questions about- And it's not just about PSA. This is grip development yep. for- for It's controlled aggression. terry has got a whole book it's on it. It's a broad it. range. A on yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it, covering it's, a lot.
1: It's the controlled aggression seminar. Yeah. Get onto my website, au. Go to- There's a PSA tab. It's there. Mm. It's like the cheapest seminar in, uh, going because I want people to be there to learn this stuff. Yeah. 250 bucks. Go there. Do it. That's my ad.
0: Yeah. All right, moving on. And we've got Jay Jack coming out Oh, the yeah, month and after. Jay, the we're yep. month after, for yep. sure. So, Jazz Whiting is bringing out Jay this time. Mm-hmm. So, that's going to be another amazing seminar uh, on the scope. Mm-hmm. So, for GRC, it, if you've got a dog that isn't into bite sports, you. you've got to get into GRC and yes. check that out. And I just want to say that if you guys don't know who Jay Jack is by now, you must be living under a rock because yeah. we've... We'll have to get him on when he's here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's an amazing guy, done a lot for the sport, done a lot for for people in general, done a lot for rehabilitation of dogs around the world. So, yeah, get on it. Two very amazing seminars coming up. All right. Now that we've plugged other people. Yeah, we've done the plugging. Yeah. Now we need to talk
1: about what we want to talk about.
0: Yeah, our
1: topic. Yeah. So I'm not sure whether there really is more of it coming in at the moment or whether we're just being made more aware of it, but we want to talk about the introduction or proposed new dog laws, not just Mm. in Australia but worldwide that's kind of happening Everywhere that there seems to be new legislation coming in that will control how people own dogs, whether they
0: can own dogs. Yeah, well, that uh, is a topic that just started flashing up recently because there's a council in Victoria. I believe it's Frankston Council. I might need to check on those facts a little bit later, but I'm pretty sure it is. Mm-hmm. However, what it looks like they're proposing is something that people have been calling out for a long time for, and that is tighter laws on dog ownership. So, what people have been asking for for a long, long time now is there's a large concern with how much wastage there is in in dog ownership. Mm -hmm. So, people have basically got the right to go out and get a dog and breed a dog and get any type of dog they want and then... Basically, dispose of that dog at any time in the future. There's very little reason behind getting rid of a dog these days. Like, it just doesn't have to suit your lifestyle. You can get fed up with the way the dog is encumbering your backyard or jumping on you or knocking the kids over or just the fact that you're moving house or whatever it is. There's not really. Or just that you're a turd. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> unfortunately, that's a. That's the reality of it. It's that people are turds. They get dogs and they are very disattached to them. It's. I think we've made mention before that it's almost like just getting rid of an iPhone. You know, yeah. It doesn't suit your lifestyle and let's get rid of this one and get a cute new puppy. Although we use strong language, but we should always acknowledge that there are
1: real circumstances where people of course need there to are. rehome dogs. And
0: there are times where we've told people they need to rehome dogs too. Yeah. You made a good point of this a while back where you said that there've been people that you've consulted with, and there certainly have that I have, and most other professional dog trainers around the world, where there've been people that have looked at the lifestyle the dog is having in a home where it's just totally unsuitable. And it's like a bad marriage. It's like people who stay together for the sake of the kids and yet hate each other. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And even to the point where the children are saying, you guys should not be together, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's impacting the home. And in situations like that, I believe that is the right choice to make a concerted effort to find the home that would be suitable for that dog's lifestyle. For example, I always worry if something was to happen to Narelle and I, what would happen to Randy? He's a great dog, don't get me wrong, but he's a lot of work. Mm. And it always scares me that, you know, like if if I was to die tomorrow and somebody took him over, would they love him the same way? Would they deal with all his craziness and his activeness? Please don't misunderstand me that that dog's not a psycho and he's not just an absolute lunatic. He's everything but. He's a very loving, very caring, but a very powerful and very, very active dog, much like Remco is. Mm. And those are the concerns I have. But there are people who don't tolerate that set of behaviors and they're very quick to snap their fingers and say, this dog's got to go. Yeah. And in some cases it does. Well, I do.
1: As a trainer, people are often shocked and I do recommend a lot of the time people rehome their dogs privately and do it properly. Yeah. But I often say, this is not the dog you want. You want a couch Mm. potato. And the reason I'm here is because he doesn't want to be that. And so there's plenty of dogs who do want to be that. Get one of those. That's important to recognize, right? Yeah. Mm. Well, because otherwise- we can turn this one into a catcher, but we have to crush him. Mm. Like that's we have to, like literally destroy what makes him him. Yeah, right. And I'm I'm not the guy that's going to do that. So I like unless you're prepared to do the work and get into the work, then you've got the wrong dog. You you should find someone who does want that dog. Mm. And of course, like I usually will. What what I often recommend to people. This is sort of a little bit off topic of what we plan to talk about. But when you're rehoming a your dog, sell the dog. Don't give the dog away because people people then like. Pretend like they're doing you a favor taking that dog. It, mm. it has that connotation of like, oh, I'm I'm the saint that came in to rescue the dog. Yeah. Put some good obedience on the dog. Spend six weeks or send it to a board and train or whatever. Get it like flashy obedience. Get it done even if you have no intention to do it and mm. then sell it as an obedience trained dog. It's totally – to- there's people looking for that. And, and then even if you only recover your money from get, getting the, the board and train done, at least then it's going to a home that has a dog that is going to fit their purpose rather than you're expecting then someone who's going to fall on the sword for you and take over something that you don't want, mm. right?
0: That's my advice anyway. And, and I've had people do that plenty of times. It's not bad advice. And there was an old mentor of mine many years ago that told me a saying that says free advice is worth the cost that you paid for yeah, it. Yeah. And that's, that's in line of what you're primarily just saying then, is that there are times where people are giving trying to give dogs away, like begging people to take their dogs. Why not put a little value on the dog and yeah. and make people want it? Make it special that they've actually purchased the dog and you generally find that when people purchase something, this is not all generally not always the case. I mean, I've had people buy puppies from me before where they're spending, you know, onwards of two and a half thousand dollars, still yet to find the dog dumped in a pound somewhere. Yeah. Um, which happened recently. We found out that a lady that purchased a dog office It's actually in our agreement that if the dog is to be surrendered, that we get told about it and we get to offer the dog up for adoption Mm -hmm. on our Facebook page. And usually when people do that, we have, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who respond to the ad and jump on it, but this wasn't even the case. It was just a lady notified me and said, Hey, I've got one of your puppies that you bred. This is the dog's pedigree name. Can you tell me about the dog? And I, I was actually reeling because the person who owned the dog up until recently, was telling me it's the best dog they've ever had and they were just absolutely over the moon about it. But I don't know what the situation around that – I don't know what changed.
1: That would be so (laughs) infuriating to me, especially being in your position because you could then easily say – I am a fucking professional dog trainer in a in a dog training facility. Bring the dog in, whatever the issue is. If it's an issue we can we can remedy it. If not, and you really don't want the dog anymore, you're in the perfect position to do exactly what I just spoke about is take yep. the dog, turn it into whatever it is gonna be, mm. and then sell it, move it on, whatever the case, like turn it like make it someone's dog and make everybody happy. Well that would the, drive me fucking insane. It does drive that.
0: me insane. I mean it's why I don't do a lot of general dog training in part is because it drives me insane. Mm. You know, like I like to pick and choose what I get to do these days and I'm spoilt because I get to do that. I'm actually yeah. in a great position where, yeah, it is. It's a very lucky and I, f- I see myself as being a very fortunate person because I'm already on a generous retainer and I get to pick what I want to do. That's a lucky stage of life to be as a dog trainer. Mm. You know, it makes you spoilt and fat, but the reality <laughs> is, the reality is, is that's where I'm at, at this time in my career. For argument's sake, there was a guy that I know we're off topic again on the story, but it's it's relevant. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. There was a guy that bought a rotty puppy office and long story short, the dog was turning his life upside down. It was um, I videoed it. I put a, a video of the dog pulling into the traffic and going crazy and I put it up. He sent me a long list of things the dog was doing. And primarily it was that he didn't understand the dog and the dog didn't understand him. And he was telling me about it. And he got a little bit frustrated because he thought that I wasn't responding the way he expected me to. And I said, listen, just come round. Bring the dog round. I, would, I didn't even charge him for it. I just said, just bring the dog round. Let me have a look at him. So I spent an hour and a half walking through the dog with him. And in 30 minutes, I had the dog walking on lead beautifully. I had the, Like he was saying, the dog redirects and bites him and his girlfriend. He tried to nip me for something. I told him off for it, showed him how to do it. And it's just that he didn't understand how to drive his brand new Rottweiler. Mm-hmm. So once I pointed that out to him and showed him, I said, he's a spoiled child and he needs to be schooled by you, who is his guardian, and he needs to understand how that all falls into place. And I said, at the same time, you have to be careful here that you don't turn this spoiled child into a dog that understands that biting gets him... Um, Mm -hmm. a a mechanism of control once he got that we started like i said now you'll be able to enjoy your dog much better now he was full of praise by the end of the thing he said mate thank you so much what do i i said nothing i told you it was gratis and i stand by that i said i can see you're frustrated i don't want you to think that i'm a breeder that just turns my back on on my dogs it's not actually my kennel it's dave's kennel but i do all the yeah. I do all the maintenance and guidance for it. I choose people who can take the dogs because I think that that's a very important aspect that when you're going to uh, have a kennel that you've also got someone who acts as a bit of a warden. Amy Smith, who's here at the moment, she's doing the NDTF course. She uh-huh. said, she brought it up the other day who said, you know, we really need someone like what Pat's role was that he, talked about a while ago, where we'd like to be the man who picks what dog goes into what home. yeah. And The dog allocator. At the dog allocator. And that's really, you know, when we talk about these laws that are being proposed, that's really what we do need, is we need an industry body governing these laws, not local council. We need somebody who's in the canine community, you know, kind of like having something like the IACP, for argument's mm-hmm. sake. Which really needs a membership drive at the moment. You and I have been speaking to Melanie Benware. She's going to probably come on the show at some stage. Yeah. Because really what we need is we do need organisations like this to get large community support, especially for people who are crying at home saying there's not enough support for the balanced community, for people who want Positive First, Lima, balance to Be brought on a large scale so we're not being dictated to by larger organizations because let me tell you something, folks. These guys are assembled and they're ready. They're the avengers of the dog training world. Mm. They never rest. They never settle. They're always ready. They finance their groups very well. I mean, we get people complaining about donating a few bucks here and there. These people will donate, you know, their estate, to these organizations. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. That's problem. That, that is the problem is they're very rich organizations and they're very assembled and even though they're some of them are mad and they don't agree with each other. They do on these topics and they come together very readily and largely to support these causes, which is something that we need to do. Yeah. So we need to, we need to be more vocal about this. We need to have better representation and not scattered representation. Sorry, you got something to say? Well, just on the ISCP thing. So I, um as we Talked about on the show. Yeah, on tell the, us about this.
1: I'm. I'm, I'm well, I'm interested. on the legislative committee mm. now. Yeah. Um, and this is maybe why uh, so much of this legislation stuff is in the forefront of my mind because I'm paying attention to it. Whereas in the past I probably haven't. Mm. Um, because so I'm, I, you know, it's part of the role in doing that. But the issue is like that's a volunteer role, and everybody in the IACP is in a volunteer role, mm. and. They're dog trainers, and so everybody is doing what they can and trying to stay across as much as they can and be as big an influence as they can, but they're also – it's no one's job. Everybody has to then also do a job. And it chews into your business time, right? Yeah, well, and And that's, that's the big issue. And so what has actually made me very angry, and I've called a few people out on it, certainly in Australia, is who complain about the lack of representation from organizations such as the IACP of which they are not a member. And so that's really, yeah, yeah, guys. So I got to say that. I told some people to fuck off. I said, Mm. like, until you. Are a member, you have no stake or claim or say in what the ISCP does. Yeah, and you pay a hundred bucks or whatever it is and become a member. And because the ISCP and all those bodies represent their members, and so you you can't complain that ISCP or any other organisation isn't representing you well enough mm. when you are not a member of it. They have no requirement to do that. And the point is, we all pay our money. And then, uh, you know what is being set up. I, I don't want to speak out of school, but the the ISCP is in the process of organizing a facility by which you can donate to the legislative committee because like we need to employ lawyers and stuff like that to do lawyer work. Right. Because we can, as dog trainers can talk about these things and we know what should happen, but the actually people who are involved at the, the political level, you need input from lobbyists and lawyers and that sort of things. And all everybody, as much as we would like to work for love, that love doesn't put food in my belly. Right. Mm. And so, uh, everybody has to be employed and there's lobbyists that are totally capable of doing this. And this is what uh, other people, other organizations have is they have people who are on the full-time gig, because like you just said, people leave their fucking estate to these sort of organizations.
0: Like people leave. They're so passionate. Yeah. And that's the driver behind it is they're far more passionate for their cause than a lot of the members in our sector are passionate about our cause. Well, we're, we're lazy because we're right. And, and,
1: this is part of the issue and we're complacent. We rest on that, right? Yeah. There's yeah, a lot of apathy behind it. Yeah, we're complacent in a lot of ways because we're like, well, no, the science supports us, so common
0: sense will prevail. But it, nah. it nah, won't. It won't. No, it's emotive right? it's driven. Yeah. yeah. It's not science or, or factually driven, it's emotively driven.
1: Yeah, so back to the laws that are being proposed. And, and, and the, the problem is- all of those laws worldwide, they're all really truly at the core of them. They come from a good place. That's right. Mm. And they are trying to improve animal welfare. And yep. I support anything that will improve animal welfare, I support it. But the problem
0: is, what is the measure of animal welfare? And and It's the seepage. That's yeah. the issue. It's the seepage of crazy that, that gets in there.
1: Yeah. So, you know, consider if they bring in laws that would determine whether or not you can own a dog, there would be certain – there would be laws – like that, that I wouldn't pass. I remember a while ago before I was really into dogs, looking into rescues and I didn't qualify. Mm. I, I wouldn't have because of the, where I live and, and you know, I essentially don't have a yard, but I raise and train fucking working dogs professionally. Mm. I managed that. And because I don't want my dogs, I don't like, I don't think dogs need a big yard. They need fulfillment and they can live on the couch for the, da- the hours when they're not working. You know what I mean? Like mm. I, it's not, a, it's not an issue for me. But I would be very afraid of legislation that would then, because of where and how I live, say that you can't do that anymore without considering the individual. And that's why uh, the individual's capacity to do that. So guidelines is probably a better thing to to look at rather than actual legislation that makes it law. Mm. And I think we already have enough animal cruelty legislation just needs to be impl- It just needs to be enforced, yep. right? Like if, if you're if you knowingly injuring an animal, I'm positive that no matter where you are in the Western world, there's a law to prevent that. Yeah. And we don't need any more. We don't need any more that, it, that would make it more and more prohibitive and restrictive. Like I think we talked about it on the show. It might've been New York. I can't remember, but it came up in that IACP meeting that there was a a proposed law that was regards to crating and the crate had to be four times the length of the dog and twice the height. So it was essentially a kennel, right? Mm. Like a run. Uh, who can do that? And who in New York can mm. do that, right? The The point is like in your apartment, how do you keep your dog safe? How, where does your dog sleep? Like how do you how do you control the dog's access to things that might kill it? If your dog's going to be eating, you know, tearing your cushions apart and eating the stuffing – then it's impossible for you to prevent that. You have to be monitoring that dog 24-7 at home. Mm. And who can do that except for people who have it in their mind that that's how a dog should be looked after. And what really terrifies me about all of this is the people who are the most vehement pushers for these animal welfare laws typically themselves have nerve-bagged dogs that they've created And they don't really know what they're doing. They're certainly well-meaning. And and this is the biggest issue is they they just don't know. Yeah, And and a lot of them will then make up- Ignorance is the driver, right? Yeah. And Mm. they make up the story about how, you know, my rescue dog was beaten by everyone because he cow- Like they make up all this bullshit story- And don't understand like, no, your lifestyle has created this dog to be that way. You have created this. And now that's a lifestyle you are trying to
0: legislate everybody into fucking having. Mm. And that's a disaster. Yeah, I totally totally support that. Yeah, When you've got a very small window into the world and you've only been looking at that window and yet you hold a very powerful opinion on that, that's only one aspect of how you see that view. And that's the problem for a lot of people is they're looking at it from- very two dimensional view you and i were having a conversation about this before mm. before we started recording you know about information that i didn't know and information that you have very good insight to so it was it i mean for me that that was a very important schooling lesson mm-hmm. i got told something that i thought i knew information about but in fact i didn't mm-hmm. and the important thing is in a situation like that for many people is you need to be in a receptive situation that you can say okay i was wrong I need to move on from there. I had a viewpoint on it. It's not factual. It's wrong. It's just what I knew at the time. The unfortunate thing for us, which you just did a good explanation of, is that a lot of people aren't willing to bend from that. Yeah. You know, They're not willing to be flexible in a position to say, you know what, that argument, it isn't supported. I'm not going to sit with this anymore. I really have to re-examine what I knew about that situation. That's where the scary shit starts to come into play. And I'll give you an example. The RSPCA have copped a lot of flack for a lot of things mm-hmm. in this country and even in abroad in, in different sectors of what they represent, ASPCA, RSPCA, et cetera, et cetera. So there's like all- I all think gonna, in America they're just that SPCA. I, I think right? so, yeah. And in England, yeah. ASPCA or- RSPCA. In, in England? England? is the RS, original RSPCA. Right, okay. Yes. What does it stand for? Royal Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. There you go. The old acronym that used to be going around was the- Removal from Society of People's Companion Animals. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. And look, to be honest, it depends on the person in the driving seat, yeah. on how legislation falls into place and how active they are. And there's some great people in the RSPCA and there's some not so great people. But overall, they try and do the best they can with what they've got in preventing Cruelty to animals. It's when they overstep that mark, like any other organisation, that's where I see a problem coming into play. Like I support a lot of things they do when I see some of the shitty things that go on and we don't get to see that. We don't get that window into what the inspectors are going around and seeing that awful viewpoint of how cruel and how um, some of the shit they would say would be horrific yeah it's terrible but i'll give you an example of wasted time with some of these organizations which personally affected us Mm -hmm. we got an inspector turn up here one day and i don't know if i told this story here before or not let me ask a question about that so they don't need any
1: kind of warrant or anything they can just rock up they can just rock up and what power do they have to do
0: that how do they how well they're a self-governed power they have their own, their own power. So, this is
1: something I've never fully understood. Mm. Who who entitles them to that power? Like, if you just say, no, you can't come on. They're, like, the police can't
0: come in here and search the place. Not without a warrant. That's right. So, why can the RSPCA? Well, because if, they are, if they're suspect that you have performed animal cruelty, or especially because you're operating an animal business. So, can they do that into an individual's home? Yes.
1: That seems outrageous to me. That- The police could suspect that I have a meth lab and Mm. will have to go and prove to a judge that that is a reasonable suspicion in order to get a warrant to come to search my home. But an RSPCA officer can just enter my home without
0: any prior approval from anybody else. They're self-governed. Are we sure about that? Look, I'll check into that. I'll check into that further to make sure that I've got facts around it. Be- i and and if i, I just I, can't if- imagine how that could possibly be true if i'm if i'm wrong i'm
1: happy to eat my hat on that but like like it certainly if they could do that here at a boarding kennel, and um, wouldn't surprise me, because maybe that's written into the legislation. Like, for example, in New South Wales, at a tattoo shop, the police don't need; it's written into the legislation. Police can bring in a dog in and search the place. They can toss the place anytime they want. There's yep. no requirement for a warrant. That's written into the legislation. So, I would understand if that were the same into boarding kennels. If mm. if an RSPCA inspector, I'd, I'd understand that and accept it. That's fine.
0: Yeah, but they I can, can't they can imagine enter that, property in demand to look around. Yeah, but yeah. as a, as a private individual, I would be. I would be horrified if that were the case. Well, I will check the law out. I'll speak to my contacts through some of the organisations I'm with and I'll get a factual... Yeah, that would be good to know. Yeah, a factual constitution of, yeah. of what their rights and powers are. You see, like again, not that I have. Uh, if you're listening and you're an RSPCA inspector, come on over. You, you oh, they're welcome I'll, here too. I'll we you we into welcome. My home, but- we actively welcome RSPCA here. Yeah, we've never ever tried to block the RSPCA from coming. Yeah, we, we've got an open door policy with them. And the same thing. This is a, an actual instance that happened to us. So I'll, I'll tell you what happened. The girls rang me one day. I was actually here, but they rang me on the phone and said. Glenn, there's an RSPCA inspector here. He wants to speak to you. And I said, sure, I'll come out in a sec. Come out, nice guy. Shook my hand, had a conversation. He said, mate, look, I've got a a situation I want to talk to you about. And he said, can we take a walk up the paddock? I said, sure. And he said, um, I'm here to inspect the property. There is speculation that you are running live baiting on the property. And, that <laughs> and and inside your training shed, this is the one we do seminars, he said inside the training shed on Saturdays, you've got dogs that are killing small animals and it's a bloodbath in there. And I said, really? Because I smiled when he said it. I said, really? No shit. And he said, yeah, really. He said, sorry, but I have to take this seriously. I said, oh, of course. I said, uh, yeah, 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 come in. I said, if you want to take any swabs or- anything and have the, I said, look, it's your time and money that you're wasting, not mine. I said, I'm actively opposed against any of that monstrosity. And I said, so yeah, look, you can you can go anywhere you want. And I said, uh, I'll grab you a coffee. And I said, um, you don't have to worry about a thing. I said, I'll just tell the girls to let you go where you want to go. I said, every square inch of this property is is open for you to inspect. Mm. I said, you can crawl under my house if you want to. He said, look, do you mind if I go in and take some photos? And and I said, do whatever you want to do. And I said, uh, there's absolutely no way we're guilty of uh, entertaining anything close to what you're talking about. I said, my staff would hang me from a tree in the backyard if they thought that there was any truth to that, yeah, yeah. Uh, that ridiculous story. Yeah. And I said, I'm outraged that some actual piece of shit has told you that because that's what they are. They're a piece of shit, yeah. you know, human garbage that would waste your time and my time. And I said, obviously, it's somebody who doesn't like us or doesn't like me personally that has wasted your time and told you a completely fictitious tale. And he said, mate, he goes, if you only knew how many of these that I do a day. Yeah. And I said, really? And he said, and I said, can't you find out details about these people and prosecute them for fraudulent and derogatory behavior? I said, that's just, that's completely untrue. And I said, I, don't I have rights? And he said, well, look, we, we have to investigate this. Can we – someone has to be listening, please. Someone in Australia has to be listening
1: from the RSPCA or or knows the law of the RSPCA and come in on the show and explain Love to today. us what is the actual – what what legal powers do they have? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know that and it's not something I've ever looked into or cared about because – you know, I have my own pets. I train my pets ethically. No one could, no one could look at the what I do with my dogs and, and complain about it. So it's just not something that's ever really crossed my mind. But now I'm sitting here thinking about it. Like, I am horrified to think that someone can just enter your home without any probable cause. Mm. You know, this is not a long bow to draw. Is that that's. That's the steps in the direction of people getting run over by tanks in Tiananmen Square. Like, government
0: should not have that much power over you. Totally agree. And I think that in these situations, as I said before, I think that anybody making a complaint like that, like making a bogus call, because that was a completely bogus call. If anybody is making a complaint like that, I think they should have to go on record, mm. okay? And then I think they should be prosecuted for lying about it. Like if you're if you're um, if you're genuinely and and. Well, if the RSPCA really do
1: have unlimited powers to enter your home and prosecute you for anything they find there, anybody who would use that uh, bogusly, who would would use those powers bogusly, should be absolutely dealt with in the same way that the the offender would be because – it, that's a Look at the time that is they're an wasting. extreme amount of power. Yeah. But I just find that hard to believe. I just don't think it is. Like, you know, I, I in another life had dealings with the um Crimes Commission yep. and who have extreme powers and their their extreme powers come with extreme responsibilities and burdens of evidence, yep. you know what I mean? Like
0: yep. and so I I just would be surprised if that were the case. Well, let's get some facts around that so we're not just making shit up as we go. Yeah. Uh because that's that's very important to yeah, we have to because it, it just seems outrageous to
1: me. Like certainly, if the RSPCA inspector looks over your fence and sees a dog dying, sure,
0: no, no problem. Yeah. enter
1: no problem. Yeah. But to just go, hey, someone said that's
0: not, <laughs> yeah that can't that can't that's not okay. Well, it, from us from a boarding kennel perspective, like I said before, we've got open door policy anyway. Yeah, um, of course. So you yeah. know, like if local council come down here or if RSPCA or police or anything like that, not that they do, but if they do in this one case where the RSPCA came down, we just say, yeah, sure. Where would you like to start? Yeah. Okay. And there's Of nothing- course, because you've got nothing to it's hide. You've got nothing to hide. Like people have said to us before, oh, you must, you know, like when dogs are barking and so forth, you must put, electric collars on them, or you must use medication to quiet them? The answer is no. We have no law or no right to do so, and we don't. Yeah. You know, I mean- use we classical don't, music. We put we play classical music to the dogs at night. <laughs> yes, we do. Because it's it's called through a dog's ear if you haven't got a boarding kennel or you just want to ke- help keep your dogs quiet. It's reduced our nighttime noise by about 80%. Yeah. So, I play classical music to them, and I actually get up and find out what the problem is. Like, if the dogs are excessively barking during the night, yeah. you know, I might get a text from my neighbor saying, dude seriously it's going for long enough and if I can hear it and the neighbour can hear it it's it's a lot of barking yeah. so I'll get up and often I'll go in there and find the dog shit on its bed and that's what the problem is it's got nowhere to sleep because yeah. it's took a giant turd on its bed that mm. I have to get up and, and clean in my slippers and dressing gown boarding kennel life boarding kennel life but or it's my dog and he just misses you <laughs> yes yes <laughs> He did that. I told you that, didn't I? When I went in the kennels to check on another problem and Remy heard me in there, like he could hear me talking to another dog and every other dog, like there was something like 150 dogs there. Every other dog was completely silent other than Remco. Remco was just going berserk. (laughs) Anyway, you just go in and pat
1: him, right? He's like, he's happy with that. That's it. Just one pat. He just needs to be like acknowledged. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I, I forget where we were. So we're just talking about Remy in the kennel. Yeah, but we were talking about how you had to pat him. But you were talking about going down there barking dogs. People saying that you must use bark collars on the dogs.
0: Mm. But we don't. Yeah. We don't use bark collars. We don't use any form of medication. We don't use anything to quieten the dogs down other than classical music and moving them around, as Mm -hmm. we said before. Yeah. Just for the record, in case any RSPCA people are listening. Yeah, I I, I really should point that out. I'm not
1: saying that. I'm anti RSPCA in any way. I just am very curious. I I really truly don't know what their powers are and I don't understand where those powers come from. Um, and I would love to understand that if someone can point us towards that, but what I'd really like is someone from the RSPCA maybe to come on and, and we could talk about that. Um, because I just find it highly unlikely that anybody can enter your personal home because a tip off from someone else that, that, if the police can't do that, it seems outrageous to me that the RSPCA could do that. I, I think for – sorry, let me rephrase. If the police can't do that because someone says he's got a nuclear bomb in his home and the RSPCA can do it because someone says he's mistreating his dog – that just seems highly unlikely. Well, the way they can get around that is say he's got a nuclear bomb strapped to a dog, <laughs> and then they can all go in. But that's the thing; that's the problem with any law. That's why I just find it unlikely that that exists because any law like that
0: could and would be abused. Well, it's it's now the burden of proof is up to us to to research that and to provide our listeners with accurate information. No, just ask that. someone who already knows. Yeah, that's what, that's, <laughs> that's what that's we're how doing. we'll do it. Yeah, yeah. But there, are, look, there's some things about. When we're talking about the RSPCA and any other organisation, I guess where people become outraged to it is where they overstep their mark on certain things or have a biased view on things. Mm. And and that's one thing that uh, I find troubling about any organisation is when they're already biased. They don't represent a community balance. They already have their viewpoint, their standpoint on things. So they have all these extreme powers and all these measures in place, yet they have a bias in how they go about doing it. Mm. They don't represent all the community. They represent the community that they choose to represent mm. and they build it around that. Yeah. I think but to
1: go back to sort of what we were talking about, the, we are talking about legislation and, and emerging legislation that would change the way that people can um, train dogs, keep dogs, live with dogs. Yep. And I think that's exactly the issue is a bias towards a particular style that isn't necessarily the most effective. Mm. And, and in all of these, the implementation of any law, I'm always really concerned, very, very afraid of when it becomes impossible to not break a law and, and, That's a really important thing for any emerging legislation is that in, in keeping with one law, it doesn't become impossible to, to follow through with another exactly as we'd say, talking about with crating, like if they want you to travel with a dog in a crate in the car, but then the crate also guidelines or the legislation says the crate has to be four times the length and twice the height of the dog. Well, that becomes impossible to put a crate in your car. Mm. So you have, you're there in a choice there where you have to break a law and people then say, Oh, well, it doesn't matter. You know, like you did, it, no reasonable person is going to prosecute for that. But then you give a power to a government that then can, if they choose to, they could. that's another nail they can put in your coffin over something else. And so you have to be really careful with that stuff. And I am, you know, having spent my entire adult life in the government, uh, yep. working for the government, I can tell you I am anti-government powers, hmm. right? The less powers that the government has over you beyond safety and, and reasonable responsibility, the better because it's a disaster. Even Amen. even if it's well-meaning, yep. even if like exactly like we're talking about with these laws, even if they are put together by a saint, mm. if they're not put together by the a super highly educated, super highly intelligent saint, you're in trouble. Yeah, because those laws can be while well-meaning have flow-on effects. Yep. Uh, that can really you know essentially lead- and there can
0: be a bias connected to them, right?
1: Yeah, and and so as I say, that say take my example where there's two laws that are opposing and now I'm in a position where I have to break one, yep. right? Well, the only way I can not break it is to not own a pet. And mm. I think that some of the ulterior motive of some of these groups and certainly not the ulterior motive of Peter, for example, is to abolish
0: pet ownership. That, They're that's vastly not, outspoken about it. Yeah, that's it. not Ingrid an New ulterior Kirk motive. has made it her life choice to abolish any form of pet Entertainment, ownership, or anything to do with human beings having uh, ownership or or consuming uh, animals. Full stop. Yeah, and you know that's a kind of a scary thing to
1: to acknowledge. And and like I say, in our upcoming federal election, people sort of a, a protest vote is maybe the the animal the animal rights party, right? And people don't understand like that would be a disaster if they actually couldn't do any of the things that they want. People see that and they go, oh, animal rights. Like I support that and I don't support any of the bigger parties. So I support animal rights. Here you go. Without looking at their policies. But if they actually got in, that's the end of pets. That's the end of, that's Mm. the end of life as we know it, that it would radically change everything that we're involved in. Yes. Um, And so, that's what I'm really concerned about these things. Do we support legislation that would increase the welfare uh, and well-being of pets? Yes, absolutely we do. As
0: As long as it is clearly stipulated, as long as the stakeholders who are proposing it and put it together, as you've said before, it's very transparent everybody gets a, a say in it so the whole community gets to be stakeholders not a cherry picked group of peers mm. which is often the case is a lot of times when you see things going to media or going to government it seems to be that it's a cherry picked group that get to actively have a say in it yeah. and that's that's the scary side you talked about that's the scary side that i see so you know being involved in certain animal groups in organizations that i'm involved in I, I get a behind-the-curtain see in that as well. Mm-hmm. And the cherry-picking that goes on is troublesome. It really is troublesome. And that's where I guess people lose faith in a lot of these large, large organizations is the cherry-picking and the bias that they have towards what will actually happen and the flow-on effect that can come from that. Mm. Because it, it does come from these non-apathetic organizations who throw money at it, who again, to, to say what I said before, are very well-assembled, very energetic and very much looking forward to their mandate being passed. Mm. And to a degree, you, it, it starts again. Again, it starts from a very well-meaning place. It mm. starts from, a, a you know, like people getting sick of seeing abuse, getting sick of seeing wastage, getting sick of seeing human garbage treating animals like they're shit, mm-hmm. you know, which we all do. But there are ways to measure that where we can be active in the community. You know, like if people were supporting really coming down on people who are treating animals like shit and making it an individual-based thing and making examples of them to say to other people, if you do these type of things, this is what you can expect to happen to yeah. you. Yeah,
1: and and largely all around the world, as I say, that – that legislation already exists, it does. so you just
0: got to enforce that. It's you don't got, need that's to, right; it's got to be enforced. Yeah, yeah. We 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 don't need to make new laws without repealing old laws. We need to look yeah. at the the whole law, legal system, and and say to ourselves: Is this intact enough to deal with the issue? Mm. You know. And as time passes and new trends emerge, I mean, look for argument's sake, there's there's things like in other countries where they keep like. Little animals in plastic pouches for for keychains and stuff like mm. that. I mean, that sort of shit is outrageous. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, I hope I never see in my lifetime anything like that. Happen. I don't. I doubt we would see things like that happening. But in there's people but
1: who would liken that to keeping a dog in a the crate. There's people yes, who there would is. draw parallels yeah. to that, and mm. that's the issue: is mm. people who are well-meaning but don't understand. I don't know how many times I can say that on this episode. That, but. And, and that's a really difficult argument to fight. Yeah, It's a really th- difficult thing to oppose
0: because at the core of it- The intentions are great. Yeah. But also the but highway to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah.
1: And so I feel like it should be a case of, I think if you're going to have a say on how animals should be treated, your animal should be able to come out and demonstrate that you have a capacity to- to raise a happy, healthy, social animal, mm. right? Because this cool. is good point. Well, yeah, well, good I point. see this all the time. There's a very um, popular on social media anyway. Force-free dog trainer who uh, talks about how dogs should be trained, but I look at his dog and it's a wreck. Yeah, and he's had the dog long enough that it, you can't blame where it came from. And actually, the truth is, when I watch, I watch. I, it's a long story how I ended up sort of having a look at his 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 page and sort of going through it. But I diagnosed the issue with his dog almost immediately. Mm. And you know what the issue is? I would fix the issue with just positive reinforcement. It's not like there's, there's some big bizarre, it's not like his dog needs to be yanked and cranked and, and fix the issue. He is creating the, the issues with his own dog. And so he would then be a person who would push and say, oh, well, this is how a dog should be treated and these are the tools that should be used and this is the type of training. Well, mate, we get to watch your style of training online with your own dog and you blaming the person before, mm. right? I, I as a professional dog trainer and someone that knows how to deal with dogs, am watching you create the problem and solidify the problem that you have with your dog. Mm. Uh, and. That's the big concern. So I think that anybody who's going to have a real say or be an influencer in how dogs should be treated should be able to show that their dog has the capacity to fill, to, to fit into the world the way that is necessary
0: for their advice to be heeded, yep. I think. I'm sure I speak for both of us, but I'm going to speak for myself because you can chime in at any time. But I'm violently opposed to tool bans. Full stop. Yeah. Um, I am all for education. All for – I mean, I'm even for um, mandatory education on using certain tools. Yeah. I'm open for, um, you know, schooling to take place in order to use certain type of tools. Yeah. Like anybody in Australia, if they fall under the right category, of course, can own a firearm. But mm. you have to do a course for it. You have to have st- safe storage. And then, I've, like everybody else who owns one, you're on a list. And I think that the same sort of thing should happen for people who want to use certain type of tools, Yeah. okay, that they should go to schools with professionals that understand the use of them and they should be passing a set out criteria. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I 100% agree with that. What then I'm concerned about is- Who w- sets the criteria? Yeah, what is that criteria? That's, that's the problem. Because- That's where I keep coming back to with all this. And even this local council who wants to propose these laws is who gets to look at that and like who is the stakeholders that get to come in by design? Again, is that going to be a cherry pick committee of people that do that? Mm. Or is it going to be actual dog trainers and actual behaviorists, okay, that deal with dog problems. But you said that you, you open up a kennel worm. Yeah, yeah, I did then, didn't I? Because I said actual. and then
1: they, well, they actual behavioralist. I'm not a behavioralist. I don't have a PhD. Well, you're not a veterinary
0: behaviorist. Yeah. That's
1: why I left out the word veterinary. But like, well, what is a behavioralist? Yeah. Well, that's debatable, so th- isn't this it? This is the issue. is the problem, issue. Yeah, that is the issue. All right. Mm. Because like I have no qualifications. Mm. I have none. I'm traveling the world teaching people how to train dogs, but I haven't got a fucking piece of paper to my name that says I know how to do it. Other than I have a certificate from Bart. So you're basically a fraud. Well, essentially I am. (laughs) Yeah. But this is the thing. Like I have no, no one has ever, except for, uh, from Bart, from Bart Bellen, I have my certificate for having completed the silver and gold need purpose school. And from Michael Ellis, I have a certificate saying that I did a week of puppy training with him. That's it. That's all I have. Hmm. And, they're neither uh, i mean in the industry both are um, well respected yep. and, and i'm very very proud of both of those things but they're not worth the paper that they're printed
0: on but hang on you're not you're not going out there and certifying people no like that's you're right. not I'm giving not, you're not doing certified courses no but that's what i was saying like my opinion in
1: the industry is reasonably well people listening to our show yeah. i'm getting paid to to go and tell people what i know and mm. give my opinion but it's actually I don't have any background with which to lean on. You know what I mean? So why, this is the issue. Why would a government or council listen to what I have to say? Other yep. than that, I can say, well, here's my two dogs. Yep. These are my two. And here's my list of, uh, you know, probably now thousands of, well, oh, I don't know, at least hundreds and hundreds of clients and people that I've trained. Here they are. But, I don't have, there's no like, well, here's the letters after my name. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's, so it's a really tricky, it's a really difficult position to be in.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah that makes
1: sense. And, and even in a country now, like I, ha- I haven't done the NDTF course, I, I, in a country where there is an certification. actual certification, I don't have mm. it. I, yep. I haven't done it. Mm. So why should anyone listen to me? This is the issue we have. So then you get someone who does have some made up letters after their name Mm. and they say, well, these are, this is how I feel about it. But then there's no burden of proof to actually, okay, well show us that what you're saying is true and correct. Get out your dog that you personally own and these uh, techniques that you're saying are the way that everybody should have to do things. Mm. Show me that it works.
0: That's the burden of proof. That's what it has to be, but
1: yeah. we don't have that. Yeah, there's
0: no no one saying that. Well, there's plenty of PhDs out there who are flipping burgers. Yeah, who are basically unemployable people. You know, they've got the they've they've done a, a, a creditable course with a creditable school, and yet they're not gainfully employed. They have no further credibility. They're a doctor in something, but they're still working in a hamburger store flipping burgers. Yeah, but I'm not worried about them. I'm
1: worried about the people who are do have a degree in behavioural science and don't actually understand behavioural science mm, that and I, yeah and this is I've had this talk with a, a few because I I'm not anti-positive reinforcement, right, as we've talked about. like I, Who I, is? It's, it's a part of it's the quadrant. No dog trainer in their right mind could possibly be. And so yep. I enjoy conversations with a lot of people who – my take on this is if people have chosen to use positive reinforcement as their exclusive reinforcement tool, mm. they must be very good at it. And yep. certainly there are some that are, and so I want to learn from those people. Sure. But the problem is a lot of people in – certainly people who educated like tertiary education, actual going to school were taught what they were taught with an agenda by somebody who taught it to them. Mm. Right. Whereas most dog trainers, certainly like myself, like I wasn't sat down until I went till I, was learning from Bard. It was no like sit down. This is how it goes. It's like do the research and form your own opinion. Yeah. Right. And so my opinion is not influenced by anybody. I don't have an idea of what works and what doesn't work because of some uh, some bias that was passed on to me. Mm. It just is what it is. And so my concern is people who have a bias and a well meaning, but are, and a and a brainwashed educated mm. into saying that that doesn't work. And that's cool. If you've got the best education in the world, you have to be able to show us in practice. Yeah, you have to be able to show us in practice. I wear a shirt all the time that says "Cool Story." Show, show me, me a dog, dog. Mm. right? And it, that's it. Has to come down to that. So, I that if if there's anything that I can, you know. The takeaway for me in all of these legislation is anybody who is trying to push to implement that must be able to prove that within that legislation that that is how they are already living their life and they have the type of pet that we want everybody to have. Mm. If you can't do that, if you say, yeah, yeah, this is how dogs must be treated and they have to live in a crate that's four times their size and they have to eat fucking raw chicken every day and they're not allowed to wear anything but a harness. Well, you better be able to get your dog out and you better be able to show me that your dog is perfect in every way. If you're going to be telling me how to, how how I have to treat my dog, your dog better be fucking above reproach. That's a good point. I think I think pretty uh, <laughs> that's, Yeah, that's my feelings
0: well, on it. I I concur with what you're saying and I further back that up by the mantra that I often Spreak to all of the NDTF guys and anybody else who cares to listen is use what works. Yeah. And I don't care what you, and it's not you, I'm talking about the whole you, anybody who cares to listen. I don't care what you say. If you can't show me, this falls in line for your conversation. If you can't show me that it's working- You know, like if you've got an opinion on it and you've spent 50 minutes telling me and in five minutes you can't show me it's working, I nod my head politely while people are telling their story to me and telling me everything that I'm doing wrong and everything they're doing right. And at the end of the conversation, I'll say, okay, well, let's have a look at that. Mm -hmm. And they'll pull the dog out or they'll pull whatever animal out or their child out or anything like that. The demonstration is a train wreck. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just looking at it and then the, the excuses come out. Oh, well, it doesn't happen today because the moon's out and, you know, the dog can see it in the sky and it looks like a giant tennis ball. <laughs> and now it can't concentrate. <laughs> you laugh, but I've heard that used as an excuse before. What? Yes. I've heard a lady give me well, I shouldn't bring the, the Now you've narrowed it down to na- half the world. Yeah, I know I've narrowed uh, it. With
1: I- a couple more probes I'll figure out who this is.
0: <laughs> I've got it down to three and a half billion people. Mm that was a fun education for me that day that the dog saw the moon in the sky and saw it as a giant tennis ball. That's why it couldn't concentrate. And that's why it was having a bad day. So <laughs> how, how do you argue, how do you argue with a person like that who is totally convinced that's the reason why their dog won't behave? Yeah. So in, in times like that, you just shrug your shoulders and walk away yeah. and, and you, th- you think to yourself, good luck to the person who's going to try and convince you because mm. it's not going to be me, yeah, yeah. you know, and they, that's the situations that I don't want to deal with anymore. I don't want to, Try and change someone who's so vehemently defending such a strong a point of argument, which doesn't exist in a normal conversation. So I think to myself, if the person is at least willing to meet me halfway, then there's some there's some hope. Mm. But when you've got you know, like I just don't think that there's any point trying to convince those other people, and unfortunately, they're the people who are who are strongly trying to influence some of the lawmakers and some of the decision makers that we're worried about with these new laws being brought in. Yeah. Do you know what I I would like to see? I don't
1: know if it would be a law, but certainly something brought into like the curriculum at schools is animal training parts. So you don't have to like, you know, that there's schools that like agricultural highs that Mm. have a whole portion of that, but at normal in primary school, you should teach, basic awareness of dogs and how to approach
0: a dog and not to approach a tight, like basic stuff. they do have those, they do have those first, basically what you said, I'm, I'm forget the name of what it's called, but it's a, it's an education program where paid professionals go into schools and they educate children on how to function and behave around dogs. Yeah. But then, so then again, tap them when they're
1: older, get in there when they're, you know, 15, 16 and do some like actual husbandry stuff, right? Yeah, that's not a bad idea at all. Like, and this Mm. is like actual life skills that Mm. would be usable. Beneficial in the
0: home, in in careers. I mean, not everybody's going to go and be a doctor or a lawyer or a real estate agent or whatever you want to be. There's, I mean, you know, we've got hundreds of, Young people who love working in the kennels, and you know they've left more lucrative careers to come and clean up after dogs. Yeah, because otherwise, people
1: are getting their education on uh, how to train a dog from TV. Yeah, and and all you're getting on it's TV, a Well, all you're getting device. on TV is an ent- a show that entertains. Yeah. So Season Milan makes a very entertaining show. It's very I before I knew anything about dogs, I used to enjoy to watch the yeah. show, and then you get Victoria Stillwell makes a very entertaining show before Mm -hmm. I knew anything about dogs. And so whichever one you end up watching is the one that is going to be, uh, you're influenced by. Why do you think they're picked to be on TV? They're entertainers. Exactly. So, but it's not education. Mm. It's, it's entertainment. And so that's a real issue because that's where people are learning. And then, you know, I mean, how often do you hear the, just ridiculous things that, and it's people's like your, the moon is the tennis ball, Mm. but people really genuinely believe that a dog's motor, uh, Behavior is motivated by whatever
0: outrageous thing. Well, look at all the wives tales that have existed over the years, you know, yeah. things that are just totally bizarre. Like if a dog has any form of blood, it becomes blooded and then wants to kill everything in its path. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I did. You, I <laughs>
0: <laughs> Remy bit his own tongue once chasing the ball. Oh, he's
1: blooded. Yeah. And uh, it. I put a, I put a video on Instagram. Yeah. like, Oh my God, he's blooded.
0: Now, if ever um, he sees himself in a mirror, you want to kill himself. Kill himself yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's the thing. There's so many outrageous, outrageous just stories that people have bought wholesale because they don't know otherwise mm. and then as dog trainers when we do get to encounter these people we don't get to start at zero we have to work them back to zero like here everything that yeah you that's a good point not correct. that's a scary thing right yeah so you have mm. to undo a lot of the nonsense yeah. and then begin the training yeah um I, I am thankful you know like yourself that i at the for the most part now am The most of my clients are dog trainers or dog training enthusiasts. Yeah. So I'm not really so much dealing with people who, know nothing. I'm sort of dealing with people who know quite a lot and I'm sort of topping up that knowledge where I can, uh, which is so much better. Like I
0: enjoy so much. They're ready to receive. Yeah. yeah. It's like Bruce Lee's philosophy when he had a bunch of students standing in line with a cup full of water and he was going along pouring water in there and he said to some of those students, if your glass isn't empty there's nothing that I can put into your receptacle. You know, like you've already got a full glass there's no point in in staying around for my teaching because your cup is already full. Mm. You know, and that's the good thing is a lot of times where we're talking to people, you and I, and a lot of other great trainers and, and um, educators around the world, is that a lot of times when people are coming to see us or coming to talk to us, they're coming with an empty cup. Mm. You know, they're ready to take information and they're not coming to challenge you or coming to to yeah, stir a fight have, up. Yeah. And look, I've been accused of being biased before, you know, like there's be- people have said to me, Glenn, you you often make comments about your concern of other people's bias, yet you have a bias. I have a I have a standpoint of what I would like to see, but I'm also open to be changed. You know, it's like um, Stephen Crowder, uh, change my mind. If you can change my I mind, mean, people accuse him of having a bias as well. They say he is quite biased in his approach. But if you can actively change my mind on something, if you can show me a better way to do it, then I, I have to stand corrected, mm. you know. And that's been the case with certain things sometimes where people have shown me ways and they've said, dude, really, you, you need to pay attention to this. You know, like I fought for other people in the past when they have been they've been extremely wrong in their viewpoint and I've stood up for them as a, a, a matter of loyalty where now I'm less likely to do that and I will quickly jump away from that position if I know that that person is wrong and I'm only regurgitating material that is supporting their wrong information
1: yeah I think we all have biases but we're just influenced by our experience and so the good point mm. if you can give me a a new influence with a new experience and I'm
0: open to that the other topic that we want to quickly touch on is we were talking about law changes and so forth there was another point where ACT, which is the Australian Capital Territory, mm-hmm. which is where Canberra is. It's mm-hmm. our capital of Australia, even though it exists in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of like uh, Monaco or Monaco, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's its own little country inside a country. Mm-hmm. They have proposed a law or they are close to passing a law, I believe, that recognizes dogs or animals as sentient beings, mm. um, which they are. Mm-hmm. They absolutely are sentient beings mm-hmm. um, with rights and feelings and so forth. There was a concern about this in the United States. I went over there for a conference a few years ago and there was a very, very large concern about having that as a official law in the fact that you could be charged for murder or manslaughter if you um, killed your dog. Or accidentally killed your dog in some fashion. Mm-hmm. It could be viewed that you've you've murdered some someone because now the animal has an identity. Mm. So if it, it you it it could be a complete accident. Okay, you might have run over the dog accidentally because the dog was behind the car or something like that. And depending on which way the court case goes, you could be charged with manslaughter. Mm. Um, so that was a genuine concern that they had in the United States because that was how. The legal defense was gearing up to look at those sort of situations. Those things are in line, I guess, with – and and I might be off target here on what this law is proposing because I don't know enough about it. It just flashed up in our news feed and a few people have pointed it out and said this is a concern or what do we know about this. Mm. Well, to be honest, I don't know a lot about it. But if anybody does, let's start a discussion in a discussion group around it because I think it's – it's important that we know all the facts around these sort of things before we just say, "Hey, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's represent animals as being equals." Well, that means that you're representing them equally in court cases as well. Yeah, it, that's a slippery slope and, and it's the litigation around it that scares me. Yeah. Well, and
1: but this is this is such a disaster of a of a of a thing to go down, like population control. People think about the natural world, and Mm. as human beings, we've been influencing the natural world for at least 10,000 years. So it's not natural, it's we're influenced by it. We do it's orchestrated, yeah. And so, like, rights come with responsibilities, as George was saying before. So, what if my dog then kills a rat? Is he then responsible and legally responsible for the death of that rat? Can he be? Prosecuted for murdering the rat.
0: Well, if the rat is seen if, as an individual and has rights and feelings, that's right. So mm.
1: if a person can be treated for killing an animal the same way that you could be treated for killing another person, yeah, then that is such an
0: outrageously slippery slope. Because and how do you f- define one animal as having more rights than another? That's right. Then and that that becomes kind of like genocide. Yeah, or- and
1: th- this is the sort of thing that me and you are not smart enough to unpack. And and no, and, and, no, and legislating that. Put any legislation that pushes us in that direction is is terrifying. Yeah, and because at the end of the day, like we can't all go vegan. As many as much as vegans would like us to go vegan, there's not enough farming land to do that that is not there's not possible for seven billion
0: people to stop eating animals today that is not possible there was an interesting debate on rogan about that did you see where the guy was uh i forget who the actual person he was talking to and i should know this because it was an interesting conversation but rogan was talking to a guest his point was that vegans don't understand how many vermin or or animals that a farmer will have to kill and eradicate to stop them from eating cropland because they're planting all these plants and materials, you know, that don't just exist in the natural world for the population to be able to take on. So if we're, that means that we're decimating forest lands that, which kills animal habitat. That means that they have to kill and eradicate them to stop them from getting on there and like all the ruse and everything that get in there and, you know, destroy crops of barley and, Wheat and everything yeah. else. I mean, they'll have to mow them down to stop them. They'll have to actually step up what they consider pest control because mm. effectively they've become a pest. They've they're they're consuming our food. Yeah. Well, it's. So I'm far. not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that was an interesting conversation. They discuss it better than I believe I could. But even Rogan was going, "Oh yeah, this is a mind blown sort of mo- yeah. moment." Well, anyway, it's so far from the scope of
1: our dog training <laughs> yeah. podcast. But I think at the end of the day, the truth is just don't treat your dog like an asshole. Be good to your dog. And there's like, these issues don't arise and people listening to us aren't doing that, but it's the case of like, just, You've got to be
0: careful of any legislation that would enforce how you can train Deep your dog. Deep dive into it. Unpack it carefully and, yeah. and ask the people who are the stakeholders in it. You know, ask a lot of questions to them first. Don't just – I think we're all guilty of this. I'm speaking from experience. I'm a person that had to be schooled and had to learn the hard way with certain things because I've taken a standpoint or a viewpoint from ignorance before and I won't say that won't happen into the future as well because it seemed like a good idea at the time because I was told what I wanted to hear, I believe that, and then I took a standpoint on it. But when you actually look at it, you're going, well, I didn't actually know half of this. And that's because you're remaining ignorant behind it. So anybody who's trying to sell your cause sometimes, they'll tell you the nice stuff around it. They'll sell you the entertainment factor around it or how it will benefit you. They don't tell you how it's going to disenfranchise a lot of other people. Mm. They don't tell you how it's going to segregate a larger part of the community. Uh, And they certainly don't tell you the effect it may have on you as well when you start to realise, hey, I didn't realise I actually voted that in and now it actually affects Mm, me as well. You're a part of it. Yeah. Like the crating thing, for example. You know, like we all believe that, uh, or many of us do, that crating is a good idea but then when the legislators or the or some of the government groups get involved in it, it just becomes crazy. Well, and it's not even the B-ticket items. It's little stuff like that, like crating. There's people
1: who are trying to push to ban collars, like flat collars, flat buckle collars. They yep. want dogs only to be allowed to wear a harness. Yeah. Like, it's just, just a
0: ban on top of a ban on, on top of a ban on top of a ban.
1: It's madness. Yeah all right, we've waffled way enough. This yeah. has gone long. This has been enough
0: of us talking about things we don't really understand. Well, we don't understand. But we'd like to understand it. And I think if there's a message in this message, it is learn about it before you agree to it. Mm-hmm. Like the devil's in the detail. And that's I think that's that's a lot of things I say to my staff a lot of times. The devil's in the detail. is look into it further, unpack it, Deep dive on it. I like those words because they're relevant to educating yourself further and having actual information on it. And there's things that we talk about that we by no means experts in those fields. We're not. And we're not even trying to come across as experts in the field. We're simply talking about the subject matter around it. And by doing so, we encourage people to help us learn about it. This is one of the things that I've enjoyed about the podcast since we've started is the amount of education i've received from outside sources from people that are dialing into the show that are communicating with us in the discussion group is that we're getting better education i'm sure you're probably reading more pat you're probably um, learning more from from the time that we've been doing this like you said before this is life-changing in many ways and it has been for me because where i've been apathetic about things in the past i'm actually starting to lift my game to make sure i'm keeping up with more relevant information and if that's If that's working for me and it's working for you, then that's a part of the goal that we're trying to achieve here. Let's wrap it up. That's it for another episode of the Canon Paradigm. As
1: always, if you like what you hear, like, rate, share, subscribe, do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. That's really important. No one does that anymore. So get on there, guys. Mm, Um, That's true. If you want to support the show, do that via Patreon. 3 bucks a month gets you extra episodes. 10 bucks gets you a live Q&A about that episode. And I'm going to do that one pretty soon. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can do that info at thecanineparadigm.com. That's it. Glenn, music.